Welcome to the podcast of Imago Day Community Eastside Gathering. Join us in this Sunday service as we look to the scriptures, seeking to be transformed into the image of Christ. All right, well, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12 this morning, so if you have your Bible, turn there. <clears throat> and we are in a series called Jesus the Gift Giver. We're exploring how Jesus has given us the greatest gift of his very presence, of himself, in the person and the power of his spirit. And as Jesus gives us his spirit, his spirit comes to indwell in us, uh, the spirit brings out these gifts of our humanity, draws out our talents, our abilities, our capacities to actually uh, contribute, to bless and build up the body of Christ and bless God's world. And so we could think of it as sort of, uh, from one angle, like there's the capital G gift and the lowercase g gifts. Oops, there it is. <laughs> the capital case G gift, uh, capital G gift, this is the Spirit of God. This is the greatest gift who comes to indwell and make his home in us. Jesus' very presence. And yet as he does, uh, these lowercase g gifts start to pop us, pop out of us, right? Like God brings forth this gifting that we were created for, to give away these gifts that serve and bless his people and his world. So the question for this morning is going, how do we activate the gifts of the Spirit? How do we kind of tap into the capital G gift of Jesus' presence in a way that begins popping out these lowercase g gifts in our lives into the world? So let's turn to 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul addresses this. He opens, and he says, says this. It says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. So let's stop there for a minute. As Paul is opening up this discussion of gifts of the Spirit, he opens with this observation that the idols are silent, but the living God speaks. That the idols are silent, but the living God speaks. That we see Paul kind of sets up this contrast. He goes, before when you were pagans, he says, in your days before Jesus, basically, you were led by these other things, whatever they were in this other direction. And that road led downstream to these idols that were mute, that could not speak. And yet now you are led not by these other things, but by the Spirit of God himself. And the Spirit leads you down this road where you glorify Jesus. You can't curse him. You you can only glorify him when you're indwelt by the very presence of God. And so this critique of idolatry, it's it's a strong biblical critique throughout the Bible that one of the big critiques is that the idols are mute. They can't speak. Like you got a hunk of wood or stone. Yet in contrast, God's speech is powerful. The living God speaks, and when God speaks, he's not just waxing eloquent, kind of throwing words into the atmosphere, right? Like when God speaks, things happen. We see that God speaks creation into existence. We see that God speaks exodus, and he liberates his people from their slavery. God speaks new life into the darkness of our world. So we have a living God who speaks, and his speech is powerful. 
And as the speech of God, the word of God, the presence of God comes to indwell us by his very spirit, he transforms us, he changes us from being like those idols that are mute, that are just kind of closed off and encased in our own thing. And he sort of breaks us out where we begin to praise Jesus and glorify him with our very lives. One of the ways I think of this is kind of like my home stereo, where we've got like a Bluetooth speaker in the home, right? So if you think of like a Bluetooth speaker, I'll come home, and let's say I want to turn on some music. So I flip on the, you know, the computer or on my phone, and the Bluetooth signal is kind of reverberating throughout the house. It's ever-present in the atmosphere of our home. But I've got this speaker, and the speaker's been turned off for the day or whatever. It's on, but it's not connected to the signal. So one of the first things I have to do is kind of go and hold down the button and wait for it to connect, and boop, you know, the point comes where it connects to the Bluetooth signal in the home, and immediately, as soon as it does, you know, like the music, it's much more beautiful than that, but <laughs> it sounds like Michelle Lang here. Yeah, the, the music, beautiful music, not Matt, the, the good music sounds like Michelle. This <laughs> beautiful Michelle Lang-like music comes bursting out of the speaker. It taps into the, the, the Bluetooth signal, and suddenly the music enters the home. And I think similarly... We're, we can be like these speakers, right? Like we're kind of mute, just stuck in our own world, disconnected. Uh, and yet the Bluetooth signal of God's spirit is reverberating throughout creation. Like God has spoken creation into existence and he sustains it in the power of his spirit and the presence of his word, right? And so God is sustaining all creation. His Bluetooth signal, his presence is holding all things together around us. You know, when we're closed off from that, we're like these mute speakers. Uh, but when we turn on and activate, kind of get plugged into the signal of God's spirit, you know, his music begins to flow through us and out of us. We're invited to tune in to the signal of God's presence and to turn on the music of the spirit in our lives. So how do we do that? How do we, uh, how do we tune in? to God's Bluetooth signal, right? The reality is God wants to speak powerfully into our lives. What are some of these ways God speaks that we kind of tune in? Well, one, first off, we have Scripture, right? The very Word of God, that God has not only spoken creation to existence, but He has spoken to us through the Scriptures, through the Word. And so even when God might seem silent, we can come to Him and His Word and try and grow there. Second, God also speaks to us uh, as we look to Jesus and our passions are kind of set aflame by the goodness of who Christ is. Because the foundational work of the Spirit is actually to set our hearts aflame with the love of Jesus, love of God. Paul goes on in the very next chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. It's that, that famous passage on love. It's you know, done at every wedding, right? Like, where Paul kind of goes, man, if you have all these other gifts of the Spirit, you could have, you know, like prophecy, healing, tongues, these things. But if you have not love, you got nothing. If you have not love, you got nothing. So at the foundation, as we tune into to God's Word, and we tune into God's presence as we look to Christ, the living Word, and the Spirit of God setting our hearts aflame for Jesus. But third, we also encounter God's signal, His voice, through the gifts of the Spirit in the church. Right? That this is this context of community where I believe God wants to speak to, uh, you know, to us through each other. 
That God actually wants to encounter other people in our church through you. And God wants to encounter you through other people in our church. And so that sets the stage for the gifts of the Spirit now that he's going to talk about. And so let's continue in the passage and see what are some of these different ways that the Spirit speaks in and through the church, through the community of God. All right, so, nope. doesn't speak that way. <laughs> there we go. All right, here we go. Paul continues. He says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit as he distributes them to each one just as he determines." So we see here that God gives us unique instruments for his common symphony. One of the themes here is going, there's all these different types of gifts, these types of instruments that lift up Jesus, uh, and yet they're given by one and the same spirit for the common music that God's playing, a song and a symphony that glorifies Christ. And this means that unity does not mean uniformity, right? Like, that, there are, we're going to be diverse and distinct in how we contribute to the song that God is playing. So if you do think of like a symphony, right, where uh, you've got different instruments, different notes and all, but they're all coming together to make this common song. And Paul's kind of saying like that, right? Like if you have the Bluetooth speaker, and if you imagine if, if us as a church, if we're like this home, and we, all of us are like unique speakers, and it might be that God wants to bring a trombone through one of you and a violin through the other and uh, the vocal through another and the drums through another, and they might sound like distinct instruments and noises, but they're all coming together to make this common symphony that glorifies Jesus. What unites us is that they're given by the same God. Paul's points to the Trinity here. He says that the same Spirit, the same Lord, the same God, right? Like the Spirit, Jesus, the Father. He's pointing to the, the triune God where we see diversity and union together. And so this God has given these different instruments for the common symphony, one that glorifies Jesus. And what are some of these different instruments the Spirit invites us to play? Well, Paul gives kind of a laundry list here, and I don't know that it's necessarily exhaustive, but he gives us a bunch of different things, and some of these terms can sound kind of foreign. So what I want to do is kind of walk through each one and maybe try and give us a picture of some of the different ways uh, this can look, that the Spirit of God can speak to us and through us as his people. Paul starts with uh, the message of wisdom. And the message of wisdom, this is at its core kind of a, a piece of discernment going, uh, how do I deal with this situation in my life? All right? And so uh, when you, you all have faced, we've all have faced times where it's like, dude, I need wisdom. I need discernment for how to navigate this thing in front of me. So one time, uh, a few years back, Holly and I were trying to discern whether God was calling us to move to Vietnam. 
Uh, we're involved there, and we, we love Vietnam. We love our partners there, the work God's doing. And, and there was kind of this exciting, man, maybe that's for us. And so we entered into the season of discernment, and we asked some of uh, our leaders, one of our elders, and uh, two, you know, some of our partners overseas, and three main people where we're like, we, we, we want your help for this kind of message of wisdom to help us discern. What was interesting is they all prayed with us and processed, and they all came back saying the same thing. No, as you can, I'm still here, so. <laughs> but, but part of it, you know, one of our Vietnamese partners that, that we had asked, he said, you know, I had this image of like a bridge and a plant. And I believe that what God is saying is that uh, you make a better bridge than a plant, right? Like the, the power of helping get us connected to the international body of Christ, the international church is more in the sweet spot than being planted on the ground because one of the issues, our goal has been to empower and see Vietnamese leaders thrive and lead in their own country. You're saying, man, when we step off the plane and we're there, and whether we want it or not, we kind of have a big dollar sign on our chest, right? Like just culturally, like it could be seen as a conduit for money. We can distract local attention from the Vietnamese leaders that God's gifted and called to lead. And all three of the people we asked came back with the same thing, and it felt like a message of wisdom where the Spirit of God spoke to us through his people, this message to discern. And it was freeing, right? God might want to speak to you or through you into someone's life in a similar way. Next, Paul goes on and says, a message of knowledge. This is a bit different. If wisdom was how do I deal with this situation, message of knowledge is more that God knows your situation. God knows the situation you're in. So when I first became a believer, started following Jesus in college, and right out of the gate, I remember I, I you know, this person I kind of knew, an acquaintance named Donna, and I happened to walk by her one day, and we go, oh, hey, shake hands, and as I walked away, I felt God say in my spirit, I got to go, she needs to know I'm going to be her refuge. I was like, okay, that's great. She can, you tell her, right? <laughs> and God's like, no, I want you to tell her. I'm going to be a refuge. I'm like, well, that feels weird. She might think I'm crazy. I don't really know her that well. So I avoided it. And I go home. I go back to my, my dorm room. And the next day, same thing. And I keep pushing it aside. And so a week later, it's just every day, like God's saying, like, all right, fine, just to get you off my back. No, no but I, I call her and I'm like, hey, I know this might sound crazy. But I feel like God is saying he wants to be your refuge, that he's going to be your refuge. It was tied to this particular psalm of David where enemies are, or the people of God are actually coming after him, attacking him, yet God protects and safeguards David. And she starts weeping, and she says, uh, on the other end of the phone, she's crying, like, oh, what's going on? Did I say something wrong? She's like, no, you had no way of knowing this, but... Um, I've actually been going through this season where I grew up in kind of a legalistic, fundamentalist, like a, a kind of toxic environment of a church, and I've been encountering the grace of God and felt like I just needed to pull out of some of that environment. But it's been scary because my family, my old friends, my community, like, like they're questioning my faith. There, there's been uh, accusations and whatever else. And, um, and what I hear God saying through this is like, he's going to be my refuge as I press into his grace and follow him. Like a message of knowledge where it's going, God sees and knows your situation. Spirit can speak that through us into each other's lives. Next, Paul goes on to faith. And faith is, is like this trust in God in difficult circumstances. 
particularly when God might call you to, to risk or to someone. I think this is something a little different from just, uh, you know, faith that we all have. We all have faith in Christ and trust in Christ, but there might be something specific to your circumstances in your life where God is calling you to uh, risk, to stepping out, to uh, trusting him in that kind of dark night of the soul or that valley of the shadow of death. And the Spirit can encounter you there and give you faith and trust in the midst of hard times. Next, we read about gifts of healing. And here, I think at the core is going, God cares about you as the whole person. right? Like God cares for you both spiritually and physically. He cares for all of your well-being. This has been fascinating over the years as we do uh, healing prayer kind of quarterly in our church with the elders kind of praying for folks. And it's always wild to hear these stories that come back of people who have encountered God's healing of their, their body, of chronic pain, of their illness. Uh, and recently in, in our own lives, we had, um, there was an event where my wife had, a, you know, she felt like God was giving her uh, the sense that there was someone with um, uh, pain in, in her knee. And, and it ends up connecting with this woman who kind of comes forward for prayer, and, and she's had chronic pain for over 20 years in her knee, and it gets healed. And now every time I see her, every time I see Mary, she's got this beaming smile on her face. She's like, oh my gosh, can you believe it? It's still, you know? <laughs> or, or someone in our prayer group that's become a close friend that had chronic back pain for uh, over a decade, and through prayer and, and seeking the Spirit of God healed her. And now it's been months and she's just thriving. And I've often found that it's not, though not just the physical healing, that it's often God wants to heal the emotional and spiritual stuff that goes even deeper. Right? I encountered this personally uh, this last year uh, in, in this prayer group that we had at our house where my friend Maurice, some of you might know him, but uh, I, I'm down on the ground. He's praying. You know, there's this group kind of praying. I've had, I had had this back pain for about two years, and it was just kind of chronic and gnarly. And, and Maurice is praying for me, and suddenly he just starts sobbing. And he's like just like a fountain gushing, you know, and I'm kind of like thinking, dude, are you okay? <laughs> it's just my back. It's going to be all right. You know, and like I, I didn't know what was going on internally. But then he starts to speak, and he says, um, Josh, I feel like two years ago, when your daughter was in the hospital, as some of you may know, we, we thought we lost our daughter about two years prior to this. And uh, he goes, when your daughter was in the hospital, I feel like you began to feel like you had to carry the weight of your family, of ministry stuff, of your stuff, and it's been weighing you down. And it spoke to something deeper than I even realized it had. And it like, unleashed, so I just start sobbing like a baby, whatever. And I get up and like 90% of that back pain is gone. And then over time, it kept escalating, getting better and better, where now I, you know, I feel pain-free and it's been amazing. And so there's the power that God cares both for our body, you know, for our physical and for our emotional, for our soul, for our spiritual. And the Spirit of God loves to heal. He loves to bring healing. I know this can raise the question a lot, well, why doesn't, why doesn't God heal all, all the time, right? Like, what if, what if I don't heal? And the reality is, I don't, I don't know why sometimes God heals, sometimes he doesn't. But I do believe that our, the power and hope that we have is in the resurrection. One of the things I think the resurrection means for this is, the question is not if God will heal, the question is when God will heal, right? 
The question is not if God will heal, it's when God will heal. Because resurrection's coming. And that's when our bodies get lifted up from the grave. That's when uh, we're glorified and made whole. That's when that which has been broken is put back together. And so the beauty is healing's coming, and sometimes we get to experience it now as an anticipation, as a foreshadowing, as like a signpost that comes for the resurrection power of Christ that's coming for our world. All right, well, next... <clears throat> miraculous powers. <clears throat> miraculous powers. I believe these are like signs and wonders that authenticate God's message. Like signs and wonders that authenticate God's message. So I was in Vietnam this last year, and one of our partner uh, partners, some of the churches they work with, there was this group of churches that was in uh, an impoverished uh, rural area that had been experiencing um, some real persecution. And so they were kind of a small minority. They'd been experiencing persecution. And they had cuddled together and said, man, we want to serve and bless. Jesus said, bless those who persecute you. We want to serve and bless our neighborhood. How can we do this? And they felt led by the Spirit to build, uh, they, they said, hey, we're going to commit to building a home for every widow and every person with disabilities in our area. And so they pooled all the resources they, they could, and they began, and they just went out and they started doing it, and they made it a good chunk of the way, but then they ran out. They ran out of money, they ran out of supplies, they didn't have anything left, and, and so they publicly gathered together and they cried out to God and they spent time over this week just praying, fasting and praying, going, God, we want to bless and serve and fulfill this commitment to our community. Uh, God, would you provide what we don't have? And when they finished this time, uh, the following day, this dump truck comes up from Hanoi, right? And it dumps this pile of building, like a whole dump truck filled with building materials in the field outside their village. And at first they're scared. They run out and go, no, because if we use these, then we're going to get charged for them or somebody's going to want money. And so they go, hey, don't put this here. You're, you know, you're causing a mess and then we're going to get charged for it. And the driver's like, no, uh, we're built, they're building a new apartment complex down in the city and we need to offload this stuff. If you guys could take it off our hands, that would be rad. <laughs> And they're like, okay. And so they go and they finish uh, building for it. And they had enough then to finish for every widow, every person with disabilities in their area. And loads of people in their area began coming to faith and flocking to the church. So they saw uh, this public, uh, the, you know, look the signs and wonders as they were seeking to love and bless their community. And as they trusted in God for provision when they didn't have it. And as they saw God show up to provide provide for his people, and bless the neighborhood with them. So we see these kind of miraculous powers, these signs and wonders, these things that attest to the message that God has given his people. Uh, similarly, with them talking, and you know, one of them was talking, they, they'll share things sometimes. They'll just be talking, they'll go, oh yeah, this happened, this happened, and then, uh, and then God raised this person from the dead, and da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a second, go back, right, rewind. <laughs> God raised this person from the and like oh yeah you know that's yeah. and for them it's almost like it kind of can be normal you know like and for me it's kind of the, the skeptical part of me tunes in but it's like okay God you know, and then you start to hear these stories and and there's this power uh, you come to uh, folks that you know uh, officials like communist officials who couldn't weren't allowed to become Christian and they saw the miraculous power of God amongst His people and they said I've just fallen in love with Jesus now. 
Or I was struck living on the Navajo Reservation for about six months back in the day, and the cancer rates in the area I was at were huge. They were over three, like over a, a third above the national average uh, because of all the toxic dumping, the uranium tailings, and things of that nature. And I was at a small church, kind of the only one in this area I was in, about 60 people, and three of the folks in there uh, that I got to know, and as I got to know their story, they're like, yeah, and then God healed me of cancer, the doctor said was incurable. So I found the sense that uh, it seems often amongst the, the poor, often amongst unreached areas where the gospel's going forward, I think often they're not uh, blinded by a materialist worldview like we have where it just says all we got is the concrete stuff we can see in front of us, but a worldview that says no, the spirit of God, there's a spiritual intertwined reality with our physical existence and God, who sustains all things, can restore and speak to himself. All right, well, prophecy. This is essentially where God uh, can speak to us. His spirit can speak to our spirit with uh, words, with images, and dreams, and visions, and uh, things that, you know, ways that he communicates with us. We talked a little bit about this last week, that we listen to God and, and we're able to speak to one another what we feel like God is saying. And one of the beautiful things about this is I believe God tends to speak in a broad, broad diversity of ways to us. In some of these prayer groups that we've done, it's always struck me uh, how different people tend to have kind of ways that God tends to speak through them. For myself, uh, the norm or kind of the usual pattern is like, like I'll see a, a, an image but it's in this picture where the rest of it's kind of fuzzy or hazy, and then slowly and gradually the rest of the picture kind of crystallizes. And I don't quite know what it means at first, but I'll kind of pray, like, God, can you reveal? And then poof, it's like the epiphany. It pops the, the significance. Um, but that's kind of unique often to me. That I've found other people, it might be just a word that they see, or uh, others kind of a sense in their, their spirit of what they believe God is, is saying. So the beauty is that as we seek the spirit for these, these things, that God has a diversity of ways he can show up in our lives here. And a few little tips here, if you step into this, I, I, I think that uh, one tip is, uh, if you feel like God is, is speaking something, it's better to uh, carry it with humility, right? Carry it with humility, especially as maybe if you're getting started. Right? Like There's something very different between going, hey, you know, I, I feel like God might be saying this, and kind of creating space for the other person to exercise their own discernment if it resonates with them. It's very different saying, hey, I feel like God might be saying this versus, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> you know, you know, like, like there's, a, there's a place for us all exercising discernment with one another and speaking in ways that do that. Or if you feel like God has given you something for someone um, that may be uh, kind of tough, ask it as a question rather than give it as an accusation. Right? Like, like, if you think God has said, hey, that person's having an affair, you know, like, ask, hey, are you having an affair? Not, hey, you're having an affair, you know, like, like the, man, we can, we can walk with humility. In fact, we need to walk with humility. The Spirit is going to empower us to walk with the humility and gentleness of Christ as we exercise these gifts of the Spirit. All right, well, next, distinguishing spirits. Uh, this is not the gift of whiskey tasting, Okay. <laughs> This is not, oh, that's a 12-year Glenlivet, that's a 15 McAllen, you know. <laughs> Distinguishing between spirits, the sense that we need discernment, 
right? We need discernment, and we often need help with discernment to know, hey, what's truly from God, and what are some of those things that might be from other uh, spirits, other places? And so I had this one guy once tell me, um, you know, hey, the Spirit of God is leading me to leave my wife and kids to go serve on the mission field. And it was pretty easy to distinguish between, you know, that ain't the Spirit of God, right? Um, and that one might seem obvious, you know, if it con- conflicts or contradicts with Scripture, like we know it's off base, right? Uh, but likewise, sometimes there's stuff that's muddy, and, and like I mentioned with trying to discern whether to move to Vietnam, we need help with discernment. And so God, the Spirit of God gives the gift through his people of helping to distinguish and discern together. Finally, tongues. Paul speaks to the speaking of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. There's kind of two ways that tongues show up in Scripture. One is um, speaking other languages, right? So Pentecost, and they, they're speaking, and other people are hearing the gospel in their own language, in their own tongue. And part of the significance and power of this is that it's saying God wants us to encounter him within our own language, within our own cultural context, within our own language, kind of the heart of culture and, and all that, that God calls us to himself in ways that we encounter him from within our culture. And so uh, the other way is sometimes it's like a prayer language. Paul talks about like the language of angels or in his private prayer life, having this communion with God through speaking in tongues. And here, I think there's a sense that sometimes, man, you, you ever go places with God where it just feels like words can't express what's going on in your heart? I think the goal here, the avenue, is it's a place for intimacy with God. And so it's worth saying, like, man, being able, you know, speaking in tongues, or this is not a sign of whether or not you're saved. There's some unhealthy places that can go in some circles, you know. Uh, that is not the case. But the beauty is that for some of us, God is inviting us into just communion with himself, perhaps in tongues, and the ability to um, speak, man, and to try and bring the gospel Think of the Isenses, they're long-term missionaries who have spent the last 10 years learning three languages to bring the gospel so that people could encounter Jesus in their own language and tongue. God wants that for us, to encounter him richly and deeply in our prayer life and in our heart language. All right, well, as we kind of land the plane here, what is the significance of all this for us today? Uh, where Where do we go with this? The question I have for us is, are you tuned in to the symphony that God's playing around you? Like, Are you tuned in to the symphony that God is playing around you? The Bluetooth signal of God's Spirit is everywhere, right? He is actively present around us in our world. And the beauty of this is we can tune in, we can tap in in everyday life when we're stocking shelves, right? Like when we're driving to work, when we are studying at the library, when we are, uh, man, counseling that neighbor or friend. God's frequency, his signal, his spirit is present to us and we can tune in and be present to him. I believe God is inviting us to pick up his instruments and to actually become his instruments, like those speakers that play, right? And to play his symphony that glorifies Jesus with one another. And so if you're kind of going, man, this is, I know for some of us this might seem kind of foreign or new. If you're kind of going, man, I'm interested to dive deeper, to have kind of a safe place to practice this or explore this, 
Um, as I mentioned, my wife and I have been doing these prayer groups in our home. Uh, and if you're kind of going, man, I have a lot of questions around this, or I want to maybe try and dive deeper, uh, in your bulletin there's information where you can, you can email us about signing up for one of those or figuring out when, when the upcoming ones are, where it's kind of a safe place to explore and practice this together, ask those tough questions wherever we might be coming from to try and step into pursuing the, the Spirit of God together as his people. It's one avenue, and I would invite us today as there are people at the prayer doors that we, that we can ask, seek, and knock, right? That what do we do if I'm not here? Let's just ask. Let's just ask God. Let's seek him. And if we ask once, we're going, hey, God, if you want to do this, do it, and it doesn't happen right away, and then we just kind of stop asking or seeking, right? Like, that could be a sign that, man, A, I don't really, I'm not really necessarily desperate to hear God speak, like, like hunger in the desert, like thirst for, for God to actually show up and, and in my life in that way. Um, or it could be a sign we don't really believe God does or will show up. And so I want to invite us, as we're still in this series this next few weeks, that we can ask and seek and knock, ask the Father to take us deeper into the life of his Spirit as his people. And that we can begin to learn and step in. We might make mistakes, and it's okay. We're, we're a community. We're going to step in together into the messiness of walking in the Spirit as the people of Jesus. I believe God wants to speak a fresh gift to you and through you. And so as we come this morning to the table, we come to Christ, the voice of God, the word of God, the speech of God. Jesus is the ultimate word, the speech of God to us. He's the one whom all the Spirit's words point to and lift up. So we come to him, we come to the one, the voice of God, the word become flesh, whose body was broken and blood was given, that we could begin to sing the symphony of God's song again. As we come, Jesus is the melody that's at the center of God's symphony for the world. So all of us, like those instruments, like those speakers, we're invited to tap in, to plug in, and to attune ourselves to the melody and orchestrate our own lives around Christ, the living one. So let's come to the table this morning seeking his his gift-giving life, that it can flow through us and make us a gift-giving people. Amen. Jesus, you are the melody at the center of the symphony. As as we come to you, we seek you, Holy Spirit. I I just ask, Father, that you would pour out your spirit. You said that, man, if we we ask for bread, you won't give us a snake, God. If If we ask for water, you're not going to give us a scorpion, Lord. You're a father who loves to give good gifts. You love to bless and lavish yourself upon your children. And so more than stuff, God, we pray for your very self. Holy Spirit, that you would take us deeper as a people in life with you. God, that your voice would reverberate, God, through the inside of our being and would echo out, Lord, empowering us to sing, God, of the glory of Christ. So Jesus, pray that uh, the gifts of the Spirit, these different instruments you've given, God, that that over the the coming months and years that we would grow into these as a community, uh, not in a way that becomes manipulative or awkward or weird, but in a way that lifts up the glory of Jesus, in a way that builds up the body of Christ for people, God, in a way that blesses the world around us. So Jesus, take us deeper 
in life with you and the power of your very presence. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. We pray that God will use this message to strengthen your faith and draw you into a deeper relationship with himself. If you're interested in hearing other sermons or want more information about the church, please visit our website at idceastside.com. Thanks for listening.